Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we have a special edition of the program today. On the phone with me is Mark Jones. He is the pastor at Faith Reform Presbyterian Church in Vancouver. He is a PhD from Leiden University. He's the author of several books, including Knowing Christ, God Is, and Faith, Hope, and Love. And uh, Mark is going to be one of our speakers at our upcoming um, 2019 Boise Reformation Conference. Now, all of the details for the conference are at ReformationBoise.com. And our theme this year is In Christ Alone. And uh, Mark is going to be speaking about our obedience to Christ. Thank you, Mark, so much for um, being on the phone with us today. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Now, you have written a book on this issue in particular, uh, a very good book. I've benefited from it personally. It's called Antinomianism, and then the subtitle asks the question, Reform Theology's Unwelcome Guest. Um, so first of all, can you kind of explain what you mean by that title? Okay, antinomianism, uh, just to begin with, is a, is a sort of term that was coined by, uh, well, Luther coined the term antinomians, uh, and that goes, of, of course, way back to the Reformation, but uh, the term evolves over time in relation to different disputes and contexts and all of that, so it does have a very nuanced meaning depending on when, when you're talking about antinomianism, and there's a 17th century version, a 16th century uh, and a, and a 21st century version, uh, and probably a 20th century version, too, that differs. So uh, I can talk about that a bit later, but, you know, Reformed Theology's Unwelcome Guest, uh, one way we could maybe highlight how antinomianism's been an unwelcome guest is uh, at the Westminster Assembly, for example, some of the most intense debates where they were trying to structure the creeds and, or the confessions and catechisms focused on the threat of antinomianism at the time. And I think they may have even spent more time combating the rising influence of antinomianism than any other uh, error or sect or heresy out there at the time. So that's how it would be an unwelcome guest, is just the way in which Reformed theologians have countered antinomian thinking over the over the ages. Okay. I think maybe for our listeners, it might be helpful to contrast the difference between, say, legalism and antinomianism. So can you explain the difference between those two? Yeah, in the book, I, I say, well, in a sense, there are two sides of the same coin. And, and by that, I mean that antinomianism, so that the Pharisees would be a good example. Uh, I call the Pharisees antinomians as much as they were legalists. So uh, Jesus Christ um, will say uh, that they neglect the weightier matters of the law. You you tie the tenth of your mint and dill and cumin. Um, so they do these sort of um, ceremonial uh, works, uh, but then they neglect 
you know, the weightier matters of the law, and, and, and some of them rob widows' homes, and some of them are lovers of money and lovers of the glory that comes from men. And if you actually look at what Christ says about the Pharisees, you realize he's talking to them like they're a bunch of antinomians, that they don't keep God's law. And, and even when he was killed, the religious authorities broke all of their um, laws just to have Christ killed regarding, um, you know, not discussing a capital case on the eve of the Sabbath, and all of these other laws were broken at his trial. So legalists typically um, take uh, aside God's moral law and its components of, of from the heart, and they add their own laws because they're easier to keep. And antinomians um, do the same. They, they come up with extra laws, and they, they say we don't need to keep God's um, laws in certain ways, and, and some of them are more sophisticated than others. So they're kind of the same animal, if, if you ask me. Now, clearly both are, are errors, um, and we don't want to be in either ditch. Do you think, one, it creates more of a danger for for Christians today? Yeah, I I think, you know, that, that can be... If you look at the letters to the, to the churches in Revelation, you can see there's different pastoral needs at different churches. So I would never want to kind of say, well, you know, one is, is more important than the other or uh, to deal with. I would say that, you know, you can look at different places and churches and say, hey, is there a sort of legalistic element here that needs to be dealt with where... Um, and, and the legalism has many forms as well, just like antinomianism. So I would say... Uh, in America, it's, it's hard for me to to sort of um, say one or the other. I think that antinomianism is definitely a real issue and was getting quite popular for a time with certain guys out there who were who were becoming popular um, with their teaching. But um, again, you know, I, I found that those teachers also had a legalistic streak in what they said, so it's it's not one or the other, but... I do think some churches can be more prone to one or the other, and it all depends on the context. I know that's not much of an answer, but uh, it's just, you know, in my view, it's, it's just been observation where um, elements creep up differently in different places. I actually think it's a great answer as far as pastorally. We, we all have our own tendencies church-wise, but we have them as individuals, and so... It, it's just good to be reminded that you can't necessarily have a, a blanket approach to fixing everybody's problems and every church's problems. So it's just a good yeah, reminder. Yeah, so I think it is a good answer. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Well, you know, I'll take that. I'll uh, take that. So on the phone with us today, we have Mark Jones. He is the pastor at Faith Reformed Presbyterian Church in Vancouver. We have him on the phone because he is going to be one of our speakers at our upcoming Reformation Boise Conference on November 8th and 9th. All the details, including how to register, are at reformationboise.com. Um, now, Mark, you know, I, I think in the circles that I'm in, when we use words like obedience, it it bristles against some of the subcultures that I'm a part of. Um, and so can you can you talk on that a little bit? How is God's grace maintained in telling Christians that God requires obedience from us? It's, it's to me, very—I um, try to approach it in, in you know, people 
highlight the do nots and the commandments, which is, is fine. The commandments come, a lot of them in the negative, but there's a lot in the scriptures in the positive. So, you know, this may, this may sound a little odd at first, but I, I say to, um, you know, a married couple, um, you know, to, that God requires obedience. And one aspect of obedience in your marital life is, uh, sexual relations, healthy sexual relations. And I said, um, I've yet to meet a man, right, who um, is going to marry his bride and say, you know, I really wish I wasn't under God's law now. And, you know, I wish the Seventh Commandment didn't apply to me where I have to go and, um, you know, enjoy uh, intimacy with my wife. You know, it's so oppressing. And, you you know, you put it that way, and they're like, uh, you know, they get a bit awkward. But the point was that God's commandments have also a positive side to them, where um, a lot of the things we enjoy and take for granted are actually a result of the law commanding us. And, And I said, you know, if you go and do something kind for someone, are you telling me that you're going to feel bad about that, that you're going to be under some oppressive regime? And I go, that's just not how it works. When you are kind to someone and and give and and serve, it's a liberating freedom. Uh, It really is. So I try to convince people that, you know, when God wants obedience from us, it's actually to help us and, and give us more satisfaction in this life rather than this sort of, oh, I have to do it. So you got to, you really have to, this sounds uh, bad, but you've got to sell the positive, uh, not just the negative when it comes to obedience. And I'm not sure preachers always adequately do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Russ, go ahead. I was just going to say, how, how pastorally do you, um, do you talk to your congregation about living a life of obedience empowered by the grace of God? How do you have people um, walk according to the the commands of God, but not call them to just pull up their, their bootstraps and do it? Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not like we, um, I think the, the key for me, at least this has been my approach, is, is to look at very specific, you know, so I can just say, hey, you know, we need to be obedient and we don't need to sin and speak in generalities, but I just don't find generalities all that helpful when you get to be a pastor. You need to kind of be like a surgeon, you know, and get right beneath the skin and start to poke around. And and so, you know, they've, they've got to know the specifics of, of salvation and, and how a sermon always relates to Christ and and that it's a Christian sermon, but so that when your application comes, and it's a very specific point of application, maybe it's dealing with um, covetousness in a very unique way, um, that they see the solution to that covetousness, but the solution to the covetousness in Christ isn't just a sort of, oh, look to Christ, your sins have been forgiven, but that there's a reason why you don't need to be covetous in this world because of what Christ does offer you. So it's not um, what I would call, uh, oh, we all sin, thanks to Jesus, he died for our sins. That's true, but there's also other ways we can look to Christ in which our sin will be dealt with on a sanctification level. And and for me, that's the key, is to zero in on the specifics of sin and righteousness um, and, and locate them in Christ. 
outside of your own book, are there certain resources that you found helpful for to recommend for for people? Uh, specifically on antinomianism, I, I think mine. You would, I would say, you look at the positive uh, books. So there's some good books. You, you'd want to find books on the Christian life. So um, you know, Sinclair Ferguson wrote the whole Christ, and uh, that's been quite popular. Um, you, but then you would you would look at um, other books where people have written on sanctification. Uh, Holiness by J.C. Ryle for me is like still the classic, and uh, I would I would point people to that as a sort of uh, hard hitting pastoral examination of the issues. So mine's a, a bit of a pastoral scholarly look at the negative side of antinomianism. So. Uh, I would just say look at the flip side, too, and, and someone like Ryle would be a great place to start um, for an older author. Well, if you're just tuning in, we are interviewing Mark Jones. He is the pastor at Faith Reformed Presbyterian Church in Vancouver. He is uh, an author, and he's going to be our speaker at this our upcoming Reformation Boise Conference. You're not going to want to miss this conference. Our theme this year is In Christ Alone. We're going to have four wonderful sessions, uh, our union with Christ, which uh, Dr. Jones is going to be teaching on, and then we have our assurance in Christ. Our other speaker, Cornelis Venema, is going to be speaking on. Our third session is our obedience to Christ with uh, Mr. Jones, and um, this is what we've been talking about in this program. And then finally, we're going to be ending with the return of Christ. All the details for this conference are at ReformationBoise.com. Uh, Mark, we, we so appreciate not only um, your time on the phone today, but we really look forward to um, hearing from you in November. Um, thanks for agreeing to come. Yeah, no, I really look forward to uh, coming to see you guys. And uh, thanks so much for, for having me on today. I really appreciate it. You betcha. God bless you, brother. And we look forward to November. 